Good morning, welcome to Fellowship of Huntsville. If you are visiting with us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. There should be a card underneath the seat in front of you, a connection card, just fill it out. Turn it in, either electronically or put it in the box in the back, and that's where we take offerings as well. Um, after church today, after this service, we're gonna have a college lunch. So if you're of college age or you think you're of college age, then you're welcome to come. And uh, we're having spaghetti, we'll play a little game and just fellowship and then uh, that, that'll be it. So we just have a good time together. Also, uh, we are now, um, uh, CF's gonna continue on his reading in uh, Colossians chapter four. So if you would turn to Colossians chapter four. And last week he talked about the, uh, the beloved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant with a bad name, uh, Tychicus. And then Tychicus has a friend here. Uh, Paul is sending both of these guys uh, together. And um, Onesimus, which I think is better than Tychicus. If I had to choose between the two, maybe Onesimus, I would take that one. But Onesimus is going with them. So you start in verse 8. He says, I'm sending him, this is Tychicus, for you for this very purpose, that he may know uh, the circumstances and the, and the comfort your hearts with... Onesimus, which is in verse 9, a faithful and beloved brother uh, who is one of you, they will make known to you all the things which are happening here. All right, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word and its truth. I thank you for the opportunity to investigate the lives of these men, to understand who they are and, and why you've mentioned them in Scripture. I pray for CF and that uh, his words may be your words and they may speak to us. Your spirit speaks to our spirit and that we may go out um, just renewed for truth and renewed to know you and to be a light in this world. And we say this in your name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Good to have you here. Let me get my microphone fixed. All right. Open your Bibles to that passage that he read. In Colossians, fourth chapter, if you're visiting with us, we're going through the book of Colossians. And we've been there, January be two years, so we've been there close to. And we're taking a study and we're getting to the end of the book. And uh, he's concluding, he's recognizing all the people that have helped him throughout his ministry. Uh, he is in a prison in Rome, Paul is. This is referred to as one of the prison epistles. He wrote it there. He wrote book of Philemon while he was there, book of Philippians, book of Ephesians, Galatians. They were written in prison. And so those books are referred to as prison epistles. And it simply means Paul wrote them while he was incarcerated for his faith. He's going to get out and then he's going to be incarcerated again and eventually executed uh, in that prison. So he's getting close to the end of his ministry. And he spoke of his friend Tychicus, verse 7. He says, Tychicus is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. And he's going to tell you the news about me, find out about you. And then he goes down to verse 9, and he says, with Onesimus. So Onesimus is going to go with Tychicus to the church at Colossae. Now, it's very important, you've got to understand, their ability to communicate far radically different than our ability today. Everything they did had to be taken their own foot. They didn't have telephone, didn't have anything of that sort. There was no way for long range communication. So many times when you take a message somewhere, it take you months to get there. 
and the situation may or may not be the same. And then the return trip too. So it was very long, it was very difficult, required great sacrifice. So mark it down, when he speaks of Tychicus and Onesimus, he's speaking of two people that are sacrificing a good chunk of their life to get this message delivered. That is a very committed individual. Both of these people are very committed uh, in their service. But what is the significance of Onesimus? Because he says he is a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. Now, to give you a little background on this, and we're going to focus on it in a sermon, Onesimus is actually a runaway slave. And he is a runaway slave of Philemon. And Philemon is where the church in Colossae is meeting. They're meeting in his home. And so Onesimus finds his way to Paul all the way over in Rome. And now he's going back as a brother to patch this whole situation up. So what we're going to see, we're going to look at the book of Philemon this morning to find out about Onesimus. So before we get there, go ahead and turn to the book of Philemon. It is a little one-page book right before the book of Hebrews, right after Titus. So if you go right out of Colossians, you go through a series of the T books there, and then you go into Philemon and then the book of Hebrews. So Philemon is the book we're going to focus on this morning, and we're going to see the importance of it. We're going to learn... Number one, what it means to be a good and faithful servant, but we're also going to learn about the doctrine of substitution and redemption because that's what the story is all about. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll take a look at this and see how it fits into our study of the book of Colossians. Father, we come before you thanking you, Lord, for this day, this opportunity to look at your word. We pray for your divine insight and understanding. I pray for each person seated before me, Lord, for each person has a need in their life. Lord, you have the ability to meet, that, to meet that need and you understand that need. And I pray it through the word, Father, you would communicate to them the actions they need to take in life and that we would apply this to our life as we see how Onesimus becomes a useful individual to the ministry of Paul we pray and ask this of you in Christ's name, Lord. Amen. If you look in the book of Philemon, Onesimus is going to figure in here. And Onesimus is the guy we're dealing with in Colossians. The name Onesimus means useful or, or faithful, um, beneficial. That's what it means. He's beneficial. He's useful. That's what his name means. But the story goes, he's not very useful. And the reason being is, I'm going to read the book of Philemon real quick, but the story goes like this. Onesimus is a slave of Philemon, and he flees from Philemon for whatever reason. It doesn't tell us, but he's a runaway slave. And as a runaway slave, he goes to Rome where Paul is. And while he's in Rome, he is brought to faith in Christ and ministers to Paul, and then Paul sends him back to Philemon, which was in accordance to the law. That's what you had to do with a slave that had run away and once he was found. He was sent back to Philemon, and Paul makes a special plea on his behalf. And so that's what the book of Philemon 
is all about. So let's look at the book. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Note, Paul does not say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Being in a prison in Rome is where God wants me to be because God is in charge of my life. And that's true about your life and my life. God is in charge of your life. Wherever you may be, God expects you to live for him where you are, to do ministry for him. No matter what the circumstances of life are, God uses all the circumstances of life to bring good to us as his people. And so Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother. So Timothy's greeting them too. To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. To the beloved Aphia. Aphia most likely is Philemon's wife. And then he talks about Archippus. Archippus, our fellow servant. So he says, hello Philemon. Hello, Aphia. How you doing, Chip? He's talking to the whole family. He's addressing the whole family from the outset. Our fellow soldier and to the church. Here's the key phrase, in your house. So Philemon is the leader of the church at Colossae and it's meeting in his house. It's a house church. And that's how most of the churches were in that day. They met in houses. And as they got bigger, they would build a building. And that's the same thing today. When a lot of times when people plant churches, they start out in houses or various places and then they develop into a what we call a church. A church building is what we're speaking of. And so he's, he's addressing this letter of Philemon. Verses 3 through 7, he is going to talk about the service of Philemon. Look at it. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making a mention of you always in my prayers. That's a pretty powerful statement coming from Paul. When Paul thanks God for the ministry of Philemon, I'm sure that, that caused a great deal of appreciation in the life of Philemon. He was like, wow, Paul prays for me routinely. He says, bearing or hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. And you might, because I know the rest of the story. When he says that, I kind of grin because he would be like this. Hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, including Onesimus, who has run off and left you. That's what he's doing. He's setting the stage for Paul there that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. The name Onesimus means profitable one. But note what Paul says about Onesimus. He says, verse 11, 
He was once unprofitable to you because he ran off, but now is profitable. In other words, he's living up to his name now, Paul. I'm sending him back. You therefore receiving, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. Perhaps he departed a while for this very purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer is a slave, but much more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand that I will repay not to mention to you that you owe me even your own selves besides. Yes, brother? Well, Paul puts it on thick, doesn't he? He's hammering him. He's saying, look, he said, I brought you to faith in Christ. Do me a favor. That's what he's saying there in that passage. He says, uh, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my head, my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark and Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So this is like a little postcard that Paul jots down along with that letter to the church at Colossae. He calls Tychicus and Onesimus and he says, take this letter to the leader of the church at Colossae, Philemon. And Onesimus is probably dreading this trip because Onesimus was a servant under Philemon. And the text doesn't tell us, but for some reason, he might have owed him some money because Paul talks about the money situation there. He may have even stole something from Philemon. But whatever he did, he hit the road and he went to Rome and saw Paul. Now, you can look at that in several ways. One way is, isn't it amazing that Onesimus runs away from, from Philemon and goes all the way around the country and lands at a prison where Paul is incarcerated. What a coincidence in life that something like that would occur. And just so happens that Paul writes a letter back to the church and informs them of his situation. Or you can view it like this, that Philemon, because of the evil heart of his and whatever he did, he flees but he realizes his only hope is probably the Apostle Paul who can make an appeal on his behalf. And so he comes to Paul probably with the purpose to get the appeal, but in that process comes to faith in Christ and ends up getting a whole lot more than he ever intended. It's a picture of how the sovereignty of God works through 
Even the, the, the evil dealings of man in the life of Philemon, how sometimes the worst situation in your life can end up becoming something that's very beneficial in your relationship with God. Amen. That you should never, I've had men tell me all the time in the prison system, he said, the prison was the best thing that ever happened to me. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. How can prison be the best? Because if I had not come here, I'd have been dead. I would have been dead, but God preserved my life. And while I was here, I came to faith and God turned my life around. I hear that story almost weekly, especially in the capacity I'm in now. I hear it almost weekly from those guys. But folks, that's how God does. Many times takes some of the worst situations in our life, what we think is going to be really bad, and he turns it around for something good. That's what he does for Onesimus. Onesimus has fled. He gets to Paul. He comes to faith in Christ. Okay. Now, how do we know uh, that he comes to faith in Christ? Well, we read about it right here in the letter. He says, verse 10, I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in chains. Now, what he's talking about there, how did he begot Onesimus while in chains? He's speaking of a spiritual birth is what he's talking about. That Onesimus is my spiritual son because I brought him to faith in Christ. I was the one that shared the gospel with Onesimus and he's come to faith now. So he's making this intercession on his behalf. Paul says, I could use my position as an apostle and I could command you to do this. Look at verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ. So Paul lays it out there very clear. Look, I am the apostle. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that ministers to the church at Colossae. As a position of an apostle, I could say, look, you're going to forgive Onesimus for what he did. You're going to take him back. But he said, I'm not going to do that. He said, what I'm going to do instead, I'm going to make an appeal. Verse 12. He says, I'm sending him back. You therefore receiving. That is my own heart. In other words, that's what I want you to do. Whom I wish to keep with me that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I want to do nothing. That your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntarily. In other words, I don't want you to take Onesimus back and say, the rest of Onesimus' life he's going to hear. If it wasn't for Paul, I wouldn't have you around here. If it wasn't for Paul asking me to do this, Onesimus, I wouldn't care nothing about you. You can thank Paul. He said, I don't want it like that. He said, I want you to understand something. That this individual recognized what he did, that it was bad. He comes to faith in Christ, and I'm asking on his behalf, receive him back as a brother. What's he asking Philemon to do? Forgive Onesimus for hurting you. Forgive Onesimus for whatever he's done and receive him back. Then he goes on. And he says in verse 15. For perhaps. He departed for a while. For this purpose. 
Now, I promise you, when Philemon read that, Philemon said, no, Paul, I'll tell you why. The party ripped me off. He owes me money. But see how Paul turns it around and says, yeah, I know from the human perspective, he was a thief and he ran from you. But I want you to look at it from the Godward viewpoint, and that is that perhaps God is using this for a bigger purpose than just you. And folks, that's a lot of times how life is. We see things from the human perspective when in reality God is working a much bigger move than what we ever intended or bigger than anything we see. Because we tend to look at the world through personal eyeglasses. And we don't many times stop and realize that even in bad, God can work good. Because that's the kind of God that we have. And he is a God that does things above and beyond what we could have imagined. And that's what he's doing in the life of this individual. Yeah, he ran off. He was, and Paul says that. He said he was unprofitable. I'm not going to take that away. I know that. But listen, this whole bad situation, God's worked it around. You need to see it from God's perspective. You need to see that this can be beneficial. He says, receiving back, verse 16, not as a slave. In other words, don't punish him for running off, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me. In other words, I, the apostle, am embracing this guy as a brother in Christ. And how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. In other words, from the physical perspective, he's coming back. Forgive him. He's going to be beneficial to you in what you do there, but also in a spiritual sense. Not just in the flesh, but as a brother in Christ. Receive him back. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. You know what that is right there, folks? If, you, if you're a note taker, right out in the margin about, that is called substitution. This is a book of the Bible that's teaching a theology. While it is a letter from Paul to Philemon concerning a runaway slave, the principles in it are woven together to present a bigger truth. And that bigger truth is this, substitution. Because Paul says in this passage, he says, count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. Just like you would receive me, receive Onesimus back. But if he's wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. In other words, charge me. That's substitution, folks. Put his debt on me and take his debt as mine. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. In other words, whatever it costs, I'm going to pay that. So what is he doing there? He's telling Philemon, look, I know he ran off. I know he owes you something. Receive him just like you would me. And if you're hung up about what he took, I'll pay it. Don't let that be a bone of contention. In essence, what he's doing is he's saying, Philemon, forgive this man. Forgive this man of what he's done. And if he owes you something that's a big sum of money, I'll pay for it. Don't worry about it. Don't let that be. I just want peace between you guys. That's what I want. He says, yes, brother, let me have, uh, verse 20. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you and the Lord. 
refresh my heart in the Lord, having confidence in your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. For I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. know, Paul says, I'm going to come check up on this. I'm going to see what happens to him. I'm not just sending him. I'm going to follow up on that. So Paul is building a strong case for the forgiveness of Onesimus and the restoration of Onesimus. He says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus greets you as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. You know what that's telling him? I'm not the only one that knows about this. All these other guys, Mark, they're all witnesses to it. We're going to see if you are really a person that's going to forgive, Philemon. I mean, he, through spiritual truth, backs old Philemon in a corner. I mean, what are you going to do? Paul's making a plea for this guy. He says, I, would, I wish he could stay here and minister to me. He's beneficial, but he does belong to you. And because of that, I'm going to send him back to you. I sure hope you'll receive him because he's a valuable player in my game. I mean, it, you couldn't turn that request down. Well, you could, but it wouldn't look real good because you got Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers, along with Tychicus. They all know about this situation. So you're... Spiritual life is going to be on display to all these people. Are you going to do for Onesimus what's been done for you? Because see, Paul puts that in there too, doesn't he? Paul says, I'm the one that, that's begotten you. See, what he's saying is this. Onesimus, remember this. I mean, Philemon, remember this. At one time you were lost. You were unprofitable. And I shared the gospel with you. And because of me, you have a relationship with Christ, so to speak. That's, you know, in the flesh. We all know that God's the author of salvation, but he uses human vessels. And that's what Paul's saying. You owe your eternal life and relationship with God to me because I shared with you. And if God did that for you, can't you do this for Onesimus? But it's even a bigger picture, folks. Because what happens in this story has happened for every one of us in here. Because see, just like Onesimus is a slave, every one of us was a slave at one time. Every one of us was a slave. And we ran from God because of our sin. We fleed. I guess we fled. I'm sorry. That didn't make sense. Scratch that. Erase that off that tape. Uh, we each fled, right? We fled from God. Just like Onesimus ran from Philemon. And then what happened? Well, we ran into Jesus along the way. And when we did, Jesus Christ forgave us. He took our sin upon himself and he paid what was due on our behalf. See, we're accepted by God, not because of who we are, but because we're in Christ Jesus. See, all of our salvation is owed to him. When, when I die 
and I go into the presence of God, I won't go into the presence of God and be welcome because I was faithful in what I did here. I will go into the presence of God and be accepted by God because I'm in Christ Jesus. See, I'm in Christ. That's my that's my key to getting in there. My works and all what I did in this life, that's going to come out. Well, how did you live your life while you were there? Are you going to get rewards or are you going to lose what you could have got? But my relationship with God is built upon the fact that Jesus Christ paid my debt he took what I owed upon himself and he stood in my place. And even now he intercedes on my behalf. Because see, I was an unprofitable slave. I owed God everything and I fled from God. But Jesus Christ saved me and he brings me back to God. And he does it on his behalf. See, that's what our advocate does, folks. That's how our relationship with Christ is. That we have nothing on the table of any value or worth, but Jesus Christ puts into us all the value and worth we need to stand before God. Just like Paul did that for Onesimus to where he could go back to Philemon, God has done that for each one of us and none of us deserved it at all. Not a one of us. And that's why when he talks about Onesimus, go back to the book of Colossians and look what he says over there in Colossians. He says in verse nine, with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. Well, he wasn't faithful to Philemon and he sure wasn't a brother to Philemon. And he sure wasn't that next phrase, who is one of you. Now, he could mean two things by that. A believer at the church at Colossae now, or he's just a native person from Colossae. He's one of your homeboys. That's how they'd say it. They will make known to you all things which are happening here. They. He puts him on the same level as Tychicus. And see, that's what God does for us, folks. We are unprofitable slaves running from God. And Jesus Christ saves our life and brings us back in a relationship with God. And whatever needs to be done, he does it on our behalf. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's not us. It's our Savior that has done that on our behalf. And so he takes us who are unprofitable and he makes us profitable. See, my value and worth and your value and worth rest in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have to perform for people because you are accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as we run profitable in this life, God makes us profitable. But you know what else it says? It says something else. How you and I should treat other people. See, as Paul makes a plea to Philemon to treat Onesimus this way, his argument is, Philemon, you were in the same shoes as Onesimus and God received you back. Shouldn't you receive Onesimus back when he comes in repentance and seeks forgiveness from you? And the answer is, yes, you should. 
God tells us a parable back in the book of Matthew. He said there was a guy that owed a debt he couldn't ever pay. And he goes before the king and the king says, take him and his children and his wife and throw them in a prison until they pay what is due me. And the guy gets down on the ground and he begs the king. He says, oh, king, oh, king, please forgive me my debt. I can never pay you back. And it says, and the king was moved with compassion and released him from all that he owed. And then it says that that guy goes out in town and he sees the guy that owes him pocket change. And he says, pay me what you owe me. And the guy says, I can't do it. And he sees, the text says he seizes him by the throat and has him thrown into prison until he pays off his debt. And everyone sees it. You know what they do? They go run back to the king. And they say, you know what guy you forgave? There was a dude owed him pocket change. This is a paraphrase. Uh, this dude owed him pocket change. And he went and took that guy. He grabbed him by the throat and threw him in prison. What do you think of that? The king said, I don't think much of it at all. Go get that dude, bring him to me, and let me deal with him. And God said, and so will your heavenly father do unto you if you do not forgive those who have wronged you. See, this whole story is about you and me. We can see how Paul builds a case for Philemon to receive him back. But the real rub this morning is, how do I respond when people have wronged me? And they're sorry for what they've done. Am I quick to forgive them? Or do I forget that God has done the same thing to me? See, God made me profitable. And then what does he do? He puts situations in my life where I have to make the same decisions. But it's tough. It's tough when, it, when it's against you. See, it's an easy thing to stand up here and get my finger, my pointing finger going real good. You need to repent. Repent today. But it's a whole different thing when someone wrongs me and then I have to do it towards them. See, that's where the real rub in life comes. That's where the hurt comes. Because we don't see ourselves in light of the scripture quite often. But that's the way we need to start viewing things. We need to realize that we as people need to exercise grace and mercy and compassion toward others. Because that's exactly what God's done to us. But, but, but you don't realize what they've done for me. What's God say? God says, you do what's right. He said, I'll, I'll make the difference up. Don't worry about that. You'll get it back. You just do what is right because God says, I deserve mercy over sacrifice. You don't have to hold him to the strict letter of the law. If that dude, if that guy is repentant and he's coming to you, he said, you need to receive him. Be quick to forgive. You know, when we die and we go to the presence of God to have our life evaluated and God looks at our life to find out what inheritance we have and what we've done in the name of God, you want to fall on the side that you say, well, God, maybe I was just a little bit too merciful when I lived down there on earth versus I was too harsh. You can never go wrong 
when you exercise mercy. When you exercise mercy and treat people the way God's treated you, you're more like God. Do people get over on God? Yeah, in time they do. You see it all the time. God gets, I used to experience that a lot in my life. You get in a jam, oh God, get me out of this, and I promise you I'll never do that again. And I go out the next week, do it again. God was merciful. God was gracious. And even as a believer, God, I promise you, if you get me through this thing, I will never do that again. God knows what I'm going to do, but God is still merciful and gracious. And that's how we need to be. Onesimus is coming to see you, Philemon. Don't lock him up because I'm coming right behind him. I want to see how you treated him. And all these other guys know the story, so let's do what's right. That's what the message is. Do what is right. Live your life in accordance to the word. Because there was a time in your life when you weren't profitable, and God turned your life around, and he's going to give you the opportunity to show mercy to others. And when that opportunity arises, do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are merciful and gracious to us that you are forgiving toward us, that, Lord, we don't deserve anything from you, but you have poured out your riches upon us. Father, help us to do that with others. Help us to reach out and minister to other people, those that are less fortunate, those that have fallen by the wayside, and let us be an encourager and a comforter that helps them along the way. Father, help us remember where we've come from, that we might treat others in the same way. And forgive us where we failed to do that. In Christ's name we pray, Lord. Amen.